Welcome to More to the Point, the extended interviews between KGB Texas Communications and innovative leaders working to create positive consequence in our communities. We hope you find them inspiring and informative. Our guest today is Joe Strauss, who was elected to represent District 121 in the Texas House in 2005 and was reelected six times. In 2009, at the beginning of his third term in the House, his colleagues unanimously elected him Speaker, a position to which he was reelected four times, which tied the longest tenure for House Speaker in Texas history. Since leaving the House in 2019, he has served as the Chairman of Texas Forever Forward, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation with Joe Strauss. Joe, your uh, respected voice for moderation, for principled conservatism and seriousness in politics. So I have to begin with your thoughts on the unprecedented event, events that have taken place uh, as we, we record this segment in mid-January. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's uh, been quite a week. Uh, today, the House of U.S. House of Representatives is taking up the articles articles of impeachment. It's it's been a a sad week, a week of a lot of anger um, expressed by many people of different, differing opinions. You know, but I think the more we learn about the, uh, the overtaking invasion um, of the US Capitol, the more chilling that event uh, becomes. And uh, it was clearly a terrible, shocking, awful thing um, to behold, but it's really frightening to think about how much worse it could have been. Right. And, um, you know, you have to go back before that, that tragic event to the election, which wasn't historically, um, you know, all that close. Trump lost by 7 million votes nationwide. Um, he lost, you know, several states by a relatively small margin, but we've had a lot of elections just in my voting lifetime uh, that were closer than that one. Right. Um, and yet he couldn't, he couldn't deal with it and uh, his people couldn't deal with it. And I think it's really important to remember that elections belong to the people. They don't belong to one person certainly don't belong to a president. And um, I think that, that um, you know, the president should have conceded as soon as it was clear as it was, um, should have been, uh, he should have conceded and not spent those weeks after the election whipping up other people with false claims uh, that the election was stolen. And, um, you know, it's, I think this is on the president, it's on his family but we shouldn't overlook the role that many members of Congress and some senators uh, played in this, fanning the flames, encouraging this insurrection. Um, and there were a few state leaders too, unfortunately some from Texas who were in major elected positions. Our attorney general filing ridiculous lawsuits that were completely baseless and thrown out. Um, our Lieutenant Governor continuing to 
do his act on uh, on Fox News and uh, playing into this false this um, this false claim that the election was stolen. Now he's backed off of that a little bit, but um, but it didn't last very long because I understand even today he's back on it again. So it's uh, it's been a sad week, a challenging week, and um, <clears throat> a disappointing week, and um, and we shouldn't forget it. I just can't think of anything more un-American than to um, deny the will of the people to satisfy uh, one person in government um, or to um, play into the ambitions of a small number of uh, pretty radical Republicans who hope to succeed him. Before you went to the Texas House, in fact, before you came back to Texas, you, you worked in Washington. You've had a lifetime of public service. Wondering what your thoughts are about what it means to be a public servant right now to have that uh, megaphone to be able to talk to people and, and what the responsibility is. Yeah, well, so service, Jonathan, implies that, uh, that you're giving something, not taking it. And uh, I think that that's been, been lost on too many people who are in elective office right now. Um, I do think there's a fail. There has been a failure of leadership, not entirely and 100% on the Republican side, but since they've had the big megaphone, that's really where the responsibility I think mostly lies in recent years, and where many of them have fallen down. Um, <clears throat> we've had leaders, even in the majority in the Senate. Um, we once had the majority in the House not too long ago when, when Trump was first elected. And um, they coddled this person and they played into a radicalization of the Republican party that they're now saddled with, even in an era uh, beginning next week without Trump there to satisfy. So they, in many ways, I think Republican leaders have made this bed for themselves. And now in the last few days of the Trump presidency, some of them um, are realizing that that was a pretty bad hand they dealt themselves. Let's bring things a little bit closer to home. The Texas leg legislature has begun its 87th regular session. Um, the composition of the legislature is not a lot different from what it was when you left two years ago, but this is going to be a session unlike any other. I'm wondering what you think the key issues are going to be for the folks in Austin over the next six months. Yeah. Well, the composition of the House is not different than it was two years ago, but it's significantly different than it was in my last session as Speaker. We had 95 Republicans and 55 Democrats in my, in my last session. This previous session of, of 2019 um, had um, 83 Republicans and 67 Democrats. And so um, that's a considerable shift. Um, and it's one that I think led to uh, some bipartisan successes last session and a focus on issues uh, that really mattered for the future of our state. Uh, now, looking forward to this session that just got underway yesterday, clearly this is going to be a session that has to uh, focus and deal with, um, with the coronavirus both in the substance 
um, of the issue um, and doing what is necessary to support a more um, robust uh, rollout of the vaccine, uh, but also in the way the legislature goes about its business and how, how often they can meet, the arrangements under which they can conduct their business in committee and on the floor of the House, the ability of the public to uh, personally access the members during this 140 days, which is really an important part of the lawmaking process. Um, our economy's taken a hit, obviously, in the last year, although after uh, Comptroller Hager's revenue estimate update on Monday, doesn't look as bad as uh, many people had feared, uh, mostly because, or largely because of federal money that's uh, gone directly to people and to uh, businesses and to governments, uh, but also because as part of that equation, um, sales tax revenue has not been uh, the problem that, uh, that it could have been absent that federal um, action. But there are going to be a lot of demands on resources. And I think the biggest job is going to be balancing the state's budget, even if it isn't as ugly a situation as, as, as some of us had to face in 20, 2009 or 2011 in particular. Um, but the state has gone through so much growth. Year after year, it grows uh, tremendously. And so, and so do the services that citizens uh, require. And so while the economy may not have grown as fast as our population, it's going to be a real uh, challenge, I think, for the legislature to continue to provide um, the improvements in education that they made last session through House Bill 3, which was an $11 billion bill between uh, uh, an increase in education funding and a, and a decrease in uh, property tax rates, a buy down. And that becomes even more expensive into the future. But there are investments that have to be made in education, that have to be made in, in health care, um, mental health, which has been a, um, an area of real success in the last few sessions. Um, and, and mental health needs will only be uh, growing as a result of the isolation and the anxiety uh, that people have gone through in the last year. And so, um, so I think it's going to be, uh, they're going to have their hands full, balancing a budget, uh, providing basic services in a state that's never been known uh, for being profligate in their spending in the first place. Um, and I think they have to keep in mind the, um, the stress on small businesses in the state. There are many small businesses that have closed. There are many small businesses that may be open today, but they're barely hanging on by a thread. Um, been a lot of job losses and a lot of um, health care coverage that goes along with those job losses. So while the, the fiscal picture from the comptroller wasn't as uh, dire as people, as many people expected, um, it certainly isn't rosy. And um, I think most of, most of the challenges are going to be um, around the fiscal picture. There are other important issues, too, that, that, that uh, legislators are talking about. Um, I think that uh, um, they're going. They're going as a result of this fallout from our recent election. They're going to be talking about voting processes, and um, I think the two parties are going to have very different views on what that should look like. 
my own view is that I hope they don't uh, take action that limits voters' access to, uh, to registering their opinion at the polls. There's a, there's a long list, but those are, those are just a couple. Well, you mentioned public education. That was a keystone issue for you when you were speaker. Um, you mentioned that in the last session, the legislature significantly increased uh, public state funding for public education. Is that going to be sustain sustainable under in the current environment? And is there a will among the current leadership to keep that going? Well, th there is a way. Um, there is a way to keep that commitment. Um, and um, and I do think that last session was a change in thinking for the better. In 2015 and 2017, the Texas House wanted to make meaningful uh, improvement in our school finance system. Um, we could see that education costs that were paid for by the state were being reduced um, and property taxes were going up. But uh, at that time, uh, the Texas State Senate didn't appear to be interested, and so nothing was done until we had a $15 billion surplus, and the legislature uh, found, it, um, found it acceptable to use some rainy day fund money uh, for some of their uh, desires as well. But um, so, so there is a way. I think the state budget situation today will allow them to continue at least to maintain uh, the good things that they did in the last session in terms of teacher pay and in terms of committing to um, providing for full day pre-K for those children who currently qualify. Um, I think it's interesting that, uh, that comments from, from both the, the leader of the House and the leader of the Senate um, are saying the right things. They're claiming that there's a will to maintain it. Um, I, I hope they'll be good to their word. I think that if they're not, they should remember uh, the voices uh, at the ballot box in the last midterm election where um, the Texas House lost 12 seats, where the Lieutenant Governor came within a hair or two of losing against a, a basically unfunded, unknown opponent. Um, so I think the supporters of public education in 2018 came out in force. And uh, that was a good thing because the legislature uh, got serious and, um, and did do some very good things. But um, <clears throat> so, I, so I'm, I'm not pessimistic, but uh, supporters of public education are, no, are going to need to keep uh, our leaders and our legislators um, feet to the fire on that. You gave us a pretty solid list of issues that the legislator, legislature should be focused on from public mm -hmm. health and mental health to, to uh, small business. Um, but what lawmakers should be focused on isn't what they always do focus on. Um, <laughs> and that was infamously the case in 2017 with the bathroom mm -hmm. bill. I'm wondering, are there any issues out there that you think could sidetrack the legislature this session? Well, there, there certainly could be, and you're right, without, uh, without discipline and focus uh, by the leadership, things can go pretty badly off course. 
as they did in 2017. Um, but, uh, but fortunately, after that debacle, the 2018 election occurred and there seemed to be a, seemed to be a correction. Um, but this, le this last election was a pretty big win for Republicans down ballot. And so whether there was, whether there's the same uh, fright or scare factor in place uh, today as there was after the uh, 18 election remains to be seen. Um, I hope that legislators haven't forgotten that uh, difficult experience that, um, that they went through. Um, and there are, always, there are always things that can come up that you can't even predict. Um, bills that are filed late that uh, get, get uh, advanced kind of surprisingly, amendments that pop up to bills that no one sees uh, as even being uh, controversial can, can, light a, can light a real spark and can lead to a real fire in the legislature. So um, I hope that doesn't happen, but it certainly can. Um, we have the issue of redistricting uh, this time. Now we don't know when the census numbers are going to be delivered and you can't really make too much uh, progress on it without knowing the data. Um, but when that comes up, whether it's in the regular session or a special session or whenever, um, that always um, ignites, you know, passions yep. and it uh, creates enemies and 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 friction that's not helpful to uh, to a legislative session. So that's something to watch. And um, and I'm worried. You know, I'm worried a little bit about uh, a lot of this talk. And there was a major effort in the last session to um, to punish local officials and to rein in local governments in ways that uh, if they paint with too broad a brush. I think it caused real damage uh, to some Texas communities. Um, as a Republican growing up, I was always taught that government closest to the people was, uh, was the best or that knew the best relative to the desires of the citizens of the voters. Now I understand there are excesses and there's policies in cities such as Austin, for example, that sometimes uh, proved to be pretty controversial and out there and unacceptable to some people in a broader sense. But generally speaking, and especially during a time of um, crisis like we're going through with coronavirus, I would think that this is a time not to look to divide state and local government, but to bring them together and to try to work closer together than they ever have before and trying to solve these public health problems for, for one. And uh, so I'm hoping that that doesn't get out of hand um, or go too far. Let's talk a little bit about what you've been doing since you left the legislature a couple of years ago, um, especially your work with Texas Forever Forward. Yeah, um, well, I started, um, well, I was fortunate to leave public office with some political funds um, in my campaign account. And I decided to continue my uh, to continue my involvement in politics through creating a new political action committee uh, called Texas Forever Forward, and um, it's a way to stay engaged. What I've done with it in, in this last cycle was to um, support other elected officials in their campaigns and other organizations that support 
uh, Republicans who I think are responsible, um, you know, re responsible and, and uh, calm, <laughs> reasonable, uh, productive uh, members of the legislature primarily, although I've supported a few mayors here and there and other uh, county officials. Um, but it's been, a, it's been a way for me to uh, stay engaged. Our, our PAC raised and spent um, $1 million in this cycle, helping other people. Um, and um, I also use the PAC um, as a way to um, speak out on education, to speak out on mental health reforms, and to speak out on a number of issues that I, that I care passionately about and I think are important for our state and um, for a, a healthy Republican Party uh, moving forward. I've also been engaged on a national level uh, as a board member of the Republican State Leadership Committee, which is an organization that um, supports legislative candidates in the 50 states and tries to build uh, Republican majorities uh, in the states. Had a really successful year, a surprisingly successful year uh, with that effort. Down below the presidential level, Republicans did really well. And I think it could be that people, um, Republicans um, and independents didn't, weren't comfortable with Trump in many cases, right. um, but didn't really wanna hand over all the apparatus of our government uh, to the Democratic Party. And so um, I've maintained an involvement with that organization. Um, I was asked last summer to join uh, the board of trustees of the Brookings Institution in Washington which um, is not known to be a Republican organization, but they are reaching out to some Republicans so that their um, reputation can be that they are truly bipartisan, which they are. Um, and they have um, an incredibly robust research operation that's uh, pretty fascinating to be part of. Um, so I'm engaged in politics and policy and um, using this platform to to remain uh, in the mix of things. So one more question. Uh, you and I have visited about uh, Texas 2036. That's a project that uh, Tom Luce is, is leading and will be our state will be celebrating its bicentennial in 15 years and God willing, we'll both be there to see it. But so. uh, you know, the, the purpose of that project is to, to prepare Texas to be a successful, prosperous state uh, at, at the bicentennial. And I'm wondering over the next 15 years, what you think are the biggest issues that, that face the state of Texas? Well, there are, there's a long list of issues and 2036 is an organization um, that I think will be vitally a part of the discussion longer term. Um, and I'm glad it's there. I call it the think tank that uh, I always, needed but didn't have when I was in the legislature. I mean, there are plenty of organizations that are ideological, um, that have a point of view, and then they back up that point of view with some statistics. Well, 2036 is working in the opposite direction. They're data-driven and um, not ideological. And I'm glad that they're there to provide facts for policymakers and decision makers in state government. Um, and I think they're studying exactly the right issues from public education to, um, to infrastructure, including broadband access, 
um, to transportation, to natural resources uh, uh, stresses, um, to workforce readiness issues, to, to a, a long, long list. Their, their website is really robust and, and worth a look. And um, also you mentioned Tom Luce, their founder. Uh, Tom is uh, one of the most civically minded uh, patriotic Texans I've ever met. He was a really important mentor to me during my time in the legislature. I called on him many, many times for his advice. Um, even appointed him to some pretty tough jobs uh, when they presented themselves. And he's always met the call. Um, he's very pure minded and publicly spirited. And um, I think he and Margaret Spellings make a great team. Um, just one other thing on 2036 that I think is going to prove in the test of time is that Texas state government and our system really wasn't designed to tackle long-term challenges. It's rare when we do. It's important when we do, but it's rare when we do. And uh, we, we really are more uh, suited to looking at things one and two years at a time. So taking a longer term view and being satisfied with making incremental progress, um, I, I think is, um, is a worthy exercise and one that 2036 I hope it's successful with. Well, Joe, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for your years of service uh, in the public sector. You and, and your family have been a real treasure to our community here in San Antonio and to the people of Texas. So thank you and, and thank you for joining us on The Point. You're, you're kind, Jonathan. Thank you for all you do as well. And thanks for your many years of friendship. Thank you for listening to More to the Point. If you have any questions about this episode or want to learn more about our company, please visit us at kgbtexas.com or email us at podcast at kgbtexas.com.